Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, Launch University. This is Kevin Jennings, and I'm happy to be here with you today. Uh, on this episode, uh, it's July 18th, so we're more than halfway through the year. Hopefully, you've already taken some time to uh, do a mid-year reset and, and kind of enjoy that halftime moment to reassess where things are headed and, and use rest and reflection to get things back on track. Uh, hopefully, you've also enjoyed our recent interview with uh, Kramer Johnson uh, from Chick-fil-A, and so I hope you had a great Hope you enjoyed that interview as well. And today we have another one. We have another fantastic episode for you, but it's also another replay. We went back and we we located a few episodes we all just loved and said, we need our new listeners to hear this episode. Uh, the Launch University podcast has been around for, uh, we're, we're going at, you know, almost two years, I think, more than two years at this point and hundreds of episodes in the library. And so we would love to kind of bring one back that we know you might appreciate and enjoy. And it was episode 13, which featured our good friend, Jeff Schinnerbarger, who is a social entrepreneur, an author, but he's also the founder and executive director of Plywood People. Uh, Plywood People is a nonprofit based in Atlanta, Georgia, that is actually cultivating a community of startups doing good. Uh, they provide access to content and community through events, online training and coaching programs, uh, as well as mentorship. And one of the things they are most known for is their annual event, which has been called up to this point, Plywood Presents. And now this year, they're doing a big new unveiling of it. And it has now been rebranded the Atlanta Ideas Festival, which could not be a better name. Uh, Every year, I, I call this personally the annual summit of all of Atlanta's entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, activists and executives to converge, share ideas and push each other forward. And I I cannot tell you how much I have benefited from this. Um, While I may live in Nashville again now for four years, I counted on plywood to be the place where I would be re-energized, where I would connect, where I'd be stretched, where my network would grow um, and where every time I walked out thinking bigger than I did, uh, just the week before and being reminded of the power that I still have and that my team has to make a, a difference in the world through the work that we do. And so I'll tell you all about that festival, how you can sign up soon. But first, you get to know Jeff here. Here are the vision behind this gentleman. He has worked with hundreds of startups in the Atlanta area. And that's why this episode is called Lessons Learned after working with 100 plus startups. And so we hope you enjoyed this episode with Jeff Schinnerbarger. Uh, He was interviewed by David and myself, and I hope you enjoy it. And I'll check you out on the other side of the interview. Hey, launchers, this is David Farmer, and I'm here with Kevin Jennings. And I am so excited because Kevin and I've got one of my favorite people on the planet here with us today, Jeff Schinnerbarger. Jeff is the founder of Plywood, and I've had the opportunity to get to know Jeff over the last several years, and just I've had a front row seat watching him do some pretty incredible stuff. And when you think about launching, I don't know many folks that know more about this than Jeff. Jeff is a launcher, 
and really day in and day out, he's helping other people launch. So I think he's got some just real insights that he can bring today. So Jeff, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. Well, it can only go downhill after that intro, but it's so great to be. I, yeah. Honestly, I love talking with people that are bringing things into existence. That's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, so it's great to be here with you. Tell us a little bit about your personal story and get us to the point where you um, really uh, created the Plywood organization. Yeah, so I'm married and have two kids, six and four. We live in a neighborhood called East Atlanta Village. And historically, I was involved in all these big John Maxwell events and, and uh, company issues and uh, got to lead an event called Catalyst and also launched uh, another brand called Q. Both of those were in the first was in the leadership space. The second was in understanding culture and faith. And in the midst of that, uh, I had opportunities to do other things. And I got more and more drawn into these projects that were helping justice issues, specifically in Atlanta and in other places. And so my wife and I decided to take root in Atlanta and to start to invest into the community that was here. And so seven years ago, we started Plywood People and uh, we're still alive today. So we're, we're doing the best that we can. So tell us just a little bit about what Plywood is and what you really do day in and day out. So Plywood is a nonprofit in Atlanta that leads a community of startups doing good. So some of those startups are for-profits, some are non-profits, and we joke that many of them are for-profits that have yet to make a profit. <laughs> that's a lot of the projects. And you might be listening and that's your case right now. But we, we get to see these, these uh, visionary people bring their ideas to life. And we walk alongside them. We connect them to mentors. We educate them on things we've learned over the years. And, uh, and our hope is to bring them into some form of sustainability, to find this unique, innovative approach to some problem that they see and support them in that. I think as a whole, our community cares very deeply about things that they see that are broken in our society. And they wanna be a part of bringing new solutions to that brokenness, to find um, solutions to the problems that exist. Sometimes that's in their neighborhood, sometimes that's in another country, but they have a deep sense of calling and purpose in that work. And they're trying to do it in a way that hasn't been done before. And uh, so we get to be a part of that story. So from a tactical standpoint, just to make sure people understand truly the, the depth um, at which Plow People supports these organizations, supports these visionaries, what are you all doing providing mentoring and what, what kinds of things do people get from, from Plow People? Yeah, well, in the last three years, we've worked at about 200 startups. So this isn't just a few, this is a lot. And I would say some of those are already done. Some of them didn't work, right? But some are really flourishing today and thriving in their, in their work. Um, we work on mentoring. We've connected people for, for funding, for donors. But on a practical level, sometimes we're connecting them to accountants and lawyers. And um, the needs that everyone has are very different. But we get to be kind of curating this community and making the connections that need to happen for their idea to move forward. That's awesome. So my, my question then would be, I think it's easy for anyone who, I mean, I had the, I had the privilege of going to uh, Plywood Presents, which is your annual conference, and it's incredible. Um, I would tell anyone to, to go. Um, I've heard people, my friends bragged about it to me before I went, and so I'm glad I got to go this year. Um, but when you see that, you see the experience, and see, it's easy to be intimidated almost, say, hey, I, this is, once again, one of those 
big, awesome, incredible organizations that I can never aspire to be at. So I would love to have you kind of unpack your story of launching and say, what was it like? And, you know, and take us back a little bit in that story about, you know, you said your wife and I, just, your wife and, you know, you decided to do this, which I know that sounds nice and neat um, in sentence. So just unpack that for us. Yeah. So the reality was uh, I had an assistant and she recognized something that was happening. I was... We first started this little project called Gift Card Giver, where we collect unused gift cards and give them to people in need. It was kind of a weird little project that we brought into life. We didn't take any money from it. We just gave money away from it, honestly. And because we had started this this little project that got national attention, then we started getting these emails from others. And the emails would say, hey, Jeff, I met this guy. And he has this crazy idea and he's 23 years old and I think you should meet with him. You could help him because you found a way to get this gift card giver thing started. So my experience at that point was literally one project. And from that, uh, I got connected to all these other people. So then I'd go to lunch with these people. I'd go to coffee, we'd get a drink. And my assistant noticed I would pay for every single person's meal or drink or whatever we were meeting for. And she said, she realized one out of 10 people were actually pursuing the dream that they had after my meeting with them. And she's like, I don't think you're being a very good steward with what you have been given if these people aren't pursuing it when you're buying their lunches. And she said, what if we, it was her idea, what if we brought a community around this? What if we did an event? And it was the first Plywood Presents we we had, I had a friend in New York, because now a lot of people know who he is, his name's Scott Belsky. He wrote a book called Making Ideas Happen. This is before the book came out. I knew he was doing the research. And I said, Scott, will you come down to Atlanta and meet with some people and let's see what happens? He says, I love it, this is, this is why I do what I do. So he came down and we ended up having 150 people at this gathering and it started this community. Now, the hard part about the launch phase that people don't like to hear is that for three years following that, I had Giselle, who was my assistant, I paid for her to run things, right? And I still consulted and I didn't take a paycheck for all that time. That's the reality of beginning something from new that most people don't like to hear. So I was simultaneously doing two jobs until the one took so much importance to me and my mission and my calling that I had to figure out how to move forward. Um, so that's a long answer to your question, but it happened over time. It was natural. It was consistent with my purpose. And it meant I had to, to go above and beyond and, and, and not take money for a period to get this thing off the ground. The funny thing, let me add one thing. The funny thing about this is I told this story to John Maxwell, who I was working for at that time as a consultant. And he said, the funny thing about this, Jeff, is I don't tell this very often, but I didn't take a paycheck the first three years of launching all the work that I did also. This is a consistent wow. thread. That's awesome. Jeff, you have launched a lot of things, um, big events, you've written a couple of books, you referenced uh, Plywood Presents and how that get, got started. You're in the middle of launching things right now. Personally, uh, what's the launch that means the most to you? Uh, maybe it was a game changer in your life. Yeah, the, well, always the, the next launch is always the most exciting, but the one that meant a lot to me was actually the first book I wrote called More or Less. And I remember somebody telling me, when you get done with this thing, we need to throw a party. And so we did. We, launched, we did a launch party. This was like, I guess, five years ago. And we rented out a theater, and actually, you know Reggie Joyner. Reggie Joyner hosted the night with me, and he said, let's make this a huge deal. We had like 300 people there. Were you there, David? You weren't, so. you weren't at that one. I so missed you, out. you missed out on that. And it was like... 
we threw a party because I accomplished something that I worked really hard on. Mm -hmm. And I was nervous, super nervous about throwing this party. But everybody came. We, again, I said, we had like 300 people there. And it, I remember people telling me afterwards, it was all over the internet because my community around me that really cared about me as a person was excited to celebrate this moment. And we don't get those moments very often, right? We don't get those moments where the people that love you get to be a part of this launch moment. And now I've been a part of that for so many other projects. That's my favorite part of our community is to see someone overcome their fears, to bring something into existence and celebrate with them. That's exciting. So the way you're describing, I mean, clearly a launch can be a, that's an all in full contact sport. You go three years, no paycheck from plywood. Um, you, you're married to Andres. You said you got two kids. So you can't just put a little box around this and, and separate it from what's going on at home in your personal life. How do you balance um, the effort, the energy associated with the launch with life at home? Well, there are seasons, I think, where some work kind of takes more time than you might want it to. Oftentimes, the launch phase is where that is. But my warning in this for all the people we interact with, the, the fear is that the launch mo moves into a never-ending season of busyness, right? And I think that's when you have to create some boundaries for yourself and for my wife and I, we had to, we had to struggle through this. Um, we have this phrase that we continually say to one another, that if we change the world and we lose our family, we lose. That's huge. It's not a winning combination, right? And so what does that mean at the, when it, at the end of the day, what is a win? A win is that my wife and I st stay married and that's hard some days if we're really honest. To be married to a visionary like me is very hard to if if we stay together that's a win if our family stays close that's a win so we've had to create boundaries for ourselves especially you go through a big event you have a big launch take a vacation take a time to celebrate as a family and to refocus your time can um, i can i add an observation i know at one point your wife andre was part of your board and then she stepped down and my sense was just needed a little bit of distance. Couldn't have both of you so immersed in it at the same time at that particular season of life. Is that fair? Yeah, and I, I think it was good for her to be a part of that first season and then to find a time to separate. Again, it doesn't, it's not separating the two of us, but Andre's saying like, she trusts people on our board to make good decisions that believe in our family equally. You know, But it was stressful for her to be a part of all those decisions. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, First of all, there's a lot of wisdom in there. I just want to pause for a second so that um, launchers don't miss that, right? It's easy to, to hear what, what Jeff just said and say, wow, such wisdom. But there's an action step for you in there, and that is for you to start to think about what practices you and your family are going to put in place when there are seasons of busyness to be able to refocus and reconnect when you're coming out of that season. Or even more importantly, sometimes defining what an end of that season will look like so that it doesn't become something that goes beyond like Jeff was alluding to. So I just wanna make sure that we don't overlook some of that. Cause I think sometimes we can hear someone's story and we can just clap and say, wow, that person's so great. But I think we can miss the point there. And, and I wanna bring one more thing out that, that David's alluded to from that story. And that is, it, it's 
your spouse or your your friends, your family, them supporting you and them separating themselves from what you're building at some point on a day-to-day -day or deep level is not a lack of belief in you. It's probably a desire to love you well. It's an, it's an opportunity for them to say, I want you to a place that's safe and you are not defined by what you're launching in this space. You have a safe place where you're loved for who you are, as you are, and if everything left and everything stopped, you are still loved in this space. And we're trying to protect you, the visionary, by creating an opportunity for you to know that you're loved in a space that doesn't require anything of you. And more importantly, you're not defined by what's happening in your day-to-day -day work as a, as a launcher. So I think that's really, really powerful and I, I just don't want to overlook it. That's good, Kev. All right, Jeff, you already referenced, you've helped 200 folks as they have set about a launch. Um, you run into the common issues that, that launchers seem to face. What are some of the biggies that jump out? Uh, a lot of them. One, um, so the first one I would say is this, um, you brought it up, the tension of work versus life, right? So what happens is that oftentimes people are always working and equally never working. You know what I mean by that? So they have their phone on them and you, I have a feeling there's someone in their head going, yeah, I understand that right now listening to this, right? Where you have your phone on you at every moment of every day. You sleep with your phone. You wake up with your phone. Every single moment is consumed by this work and you're taking pulse on it and you're never separating yourself from it. So that's the first thing that I notice over and over again. When you don't ever stop thinking about your work, you never have a creative perspective on it. So that's the first challenge I have. So it's like, they're always working and equally never fully working. Because when you never take a break from it, then you never get a refocused perspective on it. Uh, the second thing is people pursuing their passion without a plan. So this is where, you know, I've heard this in the startup world a lot that, man, just pursue whatever makes you happy. It's like, happy? If you start pursuing that all the time, you're not gonna be happy anymore. So like, think about the differences between what brings you joy in life and things like that. And it doesn't always have to consume every part of your startup world. Um, the other thing that I would say related to this is understanding the difference between a hobby a project and a business or organization. First thing we always challenge people is, is how are you gonna to get to a budget of $100,000? That might be intimidating to hear from this. Other people that might be like, oh, only $100,000, you may you think that's too small. But for a baseline thing and a reason for argument, it might be different for everyone. But if you can't get to a budget of $100,000, then you can't really probably pay yourself much at all. This is a common, benchmark that we have. If, if you can get to a budget of 100 grand, you might be able to pay yourself half of that potentially, which is kind of a, a salary for a good startup situation, if I'm really honest. Um, and so if you don't have a budget of $100,000, then be careful of what you're creating. Don't quit your day job too soon. Like understand, sometimes we have hobbies. Hobbies are things that bring you happiness. They bring you joy. They bring you um, love for what you do, but that's probably a side gig. A project usually has a certain amount of time that you're working on it for. So it has an end date to the work that you have. But a business and organization, you have to get to that $100,000 very quickly, and then you have a plan of how that plays out in your life. 
And what about organization? Just speak to that real quick. That's that's the whole. That's when you're launching an enterprise. Yeah. So I use kind of those terms differently. So like we're a nonprofit. So a lot of people in the nonprofit world would refer to an organization. Um, or a business might have a different perspective on it. There's, and then from the $100,000 part, there's like, do you have a product? Do you have a series of prod- products? Do you have a, um, a professionally managed business? From, there's different levels as you go up from there. How would you help someone come to the realization? I mean, you, you did a great job now just defining hobby project organization. How, have, how would you help someone? What are the key questions someone can ask themselves to say, you know what, quick self-assessment here. What am I really doing? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think people don't like to talk about money. Nobody does. Like, it's, like the, it's the thing you're not supposed to talk about. But very quickly, if someone was in my office today and they came with me an idea and I'd say, well, what are your sales? I guess, and then you can start to categorize where they're at in the project. That sounds like Shark Tank question well, right just, out of the gate, right? It's not meant to intimidate someone. It's actually meant to start to categorize where it's at. The average Etsy store brings in $12,000 revenue a year. So there's many, many people that are on Etsy that are makers, right? If you're bringing in $12,000 a year, you shouldn't quit your job. Let, let's just be honest about that because you're going to set yourself up for a huge disappointment. That's, that's the common amount. So let's not, let's not recommend everyone quit everything if that's the case. Yeah, I, 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 want, I thought that was really helpful because I think it's really, it's another big thing, right? Someone, someone wants the, what I've seen very common with launchers, let me say that, is the significance that they desire from telling their family and friends, I own a business. I'm running an organization. And it could be them. And they're making, there's no, there's no donor, there are no donors, there's no revenue, but I have my 501c3 status, or I have an LLC, and I am really, in that it's a sense of pride because I see the admiration in my family and friends' eyes to see me go out and pursue something that it's painful to not acknowledge it's just a hobby. Well, and equally, sometimes it's admiration from your family and friends, and sometimes it's doubt. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. The people that are closest to you are the ones that are actually going to make your launch successful. Without those people, part of your project, if you're launching a Kickstarter and they're not going to support it, it's not going to win. It just, it won't. You, the people closest to you have to be all in with you to an extent, right? Those are the places that you start are the people that are most close to you. So that's a really good sounding board of whether you should pursue it fully. If all the, no, there's going to be your, okay, your dad, your mom, someone like that is going to give you, they're going to ask you the hard questions, right? But they're going to believe in you either way, but they're going to ask you really hard questions. But that surrounding circle, those, those close knit circles, we rely on them for an idea to get off the ground because they have to share it with others. So you need to listen to that sound advice. Jeff, I know you, as you meet with folks and counsel them, you, I've heard you talk about how you sense that a lot of launchers feel alone. You talk about loneliness. Share a little bit about the importance of uh, being in community, having some kind of support group. Uh, what counsel would you give around that? Yeah, it's, I'm sure people listening to this are lonely right now. They think no one else understands what they're going through especially their friends and family that we were just talking about. I think when you put yourself out there 
and are vulnerable and needing other people to buy whatever you have, to support whatever you have, it, it is an interesting and lonely place. Because some days you get great responses and the days you think are gonna be great responses, you get no response. That's a hard place to manage. So I always talk to people about this idea of the conference room table. So next time, wherever work you're at, maybe some office that you go into, and there's a conference room empty, sit at a conference room table by yourself. Sit there and imagine that you're the president of the United States and you're in the situation room and you're going through the, the greatest tension moment of the year and who do you want sitting at that table with you? Mm. Who do you want sitting in those chairs? These are people that believe in you enough to say no to you and they're people that believe in you so much so that they want the most success for your life. And start inviting those people into your work. Start inviting them into speaking into the process. Before you launch something, don't do it on a whim. Send it to them first. Get their opinion so they can help make it better. Those are really important people to have in your life. You know, this is exactly why we had to do replays. We recognized that there was so much content that we have had the opportunity to to hear over the course of our time doing this podcast that it's almost easy to forget all the amazing information that people have shared with us. And one of the things that is still sitting with me right now was really the thing you just heard at the very end of Jeff Schinnerbarger's uh, discussion with us. And this is idea of how to overcome loneliness. Um, Jeff and his team are significantly responsible for, for me being a full-time entrepreneur at this point in my career. Uh, I met with them back in January of 2018 for one of his retreats. And they looked at my information, looked at what, how my, how my side hustle was doing and said, Kevin, it's time for you to go full time, man. You, you have, you know, you have two or three full time jobs. That's why you're so tired. Uh, and, and so their encouragement and their, uh, community and their structure around getting around startups really gave me what I needed to, to take the leap. It gave me the confidence and, and I, I do give him and his team a lot of credit for the confidence that I had uh, moving forward. And I want you to have an opportunity to experience the power of this community. And and so I would love to have you come to the Atlanta Ideas Festival. We are not being paid to pitch this. We are pitching it because we believe in it. Uh, obviously, uh, David is on the board with Plywood. Jeff Henderson has spoken at Plywood before. Uh, Shane and I go over, have gone every year recently. And this year, I am speaking at the Atlanta Ideas Festival. Uh, I'm speaking there as well. And I've had the privilege to, to, to be a part of this new group who, who are speakers this year. And I'm telling you, you're going to be in for something special. So I'd love to have you join us. It is only 13 days away from the time this podcast is dropping. It is July 31st through August 2nd in Atlanta, Georgia, the Atlanta Ideas Festival. It is the incredible summit of the entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, activists, and executives converging together um, to really push the world and their communities forward. And I think you would benefit greatly from being there. And lastly, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it, subscribe to the podcast because great entrepreneurs, executives, you learn quickly that you have to grow on the go. You are constantly trying to learn the things you need as you need them. And that requires us automating 
a significant portion of our growth because time will always take it from us. It will it will will be pulling at us to make us so we can't stop and read that book, listen to that podcast. So you need a strategy like Tony Robbins talks about, the no extra time strategy. And that's all about if you're in your car, if you're working out, if you're doing yard work, um, you know, this if you're eating, if you're walking to the restaurant for lunch, that's that 10 minutes, that five minutes is enough to get a little bit more than you got just the day before, then that is a win. So we want to be a part of helping you grow on the go. And so please subscribe to the podcast. So, so please subscribe to the podcast. Lastly, we have show notes for all of our podcasts. So if you're like, hey, Jeff said something that really stood out to me. I want to remember what it was. If you go to Launch University dot com forward slash podcast and that's launch with the y-o-u because we want to launch you and your business so launch university.com forward slash podcast you will find everything you need to access the content from episode 137 and obviously the 100 plus episodes that were released prior to this one all right and if there's one more thing i want you to do please share this with a friend Share this with a friend. We want we want to make sure there's someone on your team that you know needs to be encouraged or inspired or empowered with new information. And we want to give that to them and you can be uh, a big part of making that happen. So thanks for being a part of the Launch University community. And I hope to have you join us next time for another episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.